God, our Father, has made all things depend on faith. So whoever has faith will have everything. And whoever does not have faith will have nothing. A man once told a story about his 84-year-old grandmother. Apparently, she fiercely maintained her independence and lived alone in the old family home. Her four children lived in the same town, but she rarely called them except in emergencies. It was with some apprehension, therefore, that the grandson drove to her house one morning in answer to her phone call. When he arrived, his grandma said she suspected that there was a burglar in her bedroom closet. Since she had heard noises coming from there that night. Why didn't you call me last night? The grandson asked. Well, she replied, it was late and I hated to bother you. So I just nailed the closet shut and went to bed. That's an example of the type of faith we read about in Hebrews chapter 11. Our Sunday morning Bible study. We are right now in the latter part of chapter 10, and we soon will be in chapter 11. Tom, two weeks ago, spoke a sermon on the definition of faith. This morning, our lesson will be entitled Living by Faith. A faith that nails the door shut, that door of doubt, faith that nails that door of doubt shut, and then calmly leaves the rest to God. That's the kind of faith that God tells us about in Abraham, with Abraham taking the lead. And it was so impressive to God that, from what I understand, Abraham had earned the title mentioned in Romans 4 and 11, the father of all who believe. In Hebrews 11, which is our text, you would turn to Hebrews 11. We'll be looking at verses 8 through 19. In Hebrews 11, we're repeatedly told why Abraham was so highly regarded by God. I'd like to begin reading in verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should receive after for an inheritance, he obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith, he so adjourned on the land of promise as in a strange country, he dwelling in a tabernacle with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city with which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was of past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which by the seashore is innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they 
that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. For by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he had received the promise offered up his, in his only begotten son, of whom it is said that in Isaac shall they seed, shall thy seed, sorry, be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. We look at Abraham. We see Abraham believed in an inheritance, one that he himself never received. He believed in a child, one that he was too old in many people's minds to father. And when he asked to sacrifice, when he was asked to sacrifice the son as an offering, we know that Abraham believed that God could and would raise that boy from the dead if necessary. That's pretty impressive stuff. In fact, these reports about Abraham are so impressive that we might find it difficult to relate to him. We might be excused if we said, well, that was easy for Abraham. I made a comparison a few lessons ago about some other people. When I read this, I have to admit that there's times that I think, well, they were special. Yeah, they were special to God. But they weren't special because they were extraordinary in terms of, you know, what God gave them. It's what they made of their faith. So I look at, we might excuse ourselves and say, well, that was easy for Abraham to do. He was different than me. I could never believe like that. I struggled too much with doubt. Well, God knew that, didn't he? He knew we find it hard to relate to a what we would consider a superhero of faith, like this Abraham. He was an exception, not the norm. And so God t- told us a few things about this man. He told us a few things about Abraham that Abraham might have preferred God not reveal. For example, God told Abraham in Genesis 12 and 1, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Notice the part that says, leave your father's household. Well, Abraham didn't quite fully obey that, did he? He took his nephew Lot along with him. Granted, it was a little disobedience, but we know that this little disobedience resulted in a family conflict all along the way. Conflicts between Lot's sheep herders and Abraham's sheep herders. It was so bad that when the time came that Abraham attempted to settle the matter by giving Lot a choice of pasture land. Well, Lot, do you remember the story? He took one way and Abraham took the other. Well, Lot, given the choice, took the green grassy. When we say, looks greener on the other side. Lot took what looked like the green easy way. 
but it was very close to Sodom. And of course, you now know the rest of the story. Then there was the promise that God made that Abraham would have a son. Now, Abraham may have believed that, but he had a hard time convincing his wife, Sarah. After all, they were both getting way up in years. And so Sarah talked Abraham into observing a quaint custom of the day. She asked him to have a child by her handmaid, Hagar. The resulting offspring was Ishmael. And before long, his presence brought conflict and strife to Abraham's home. Eventually, Hagar and Ishmael were asked to leave, and the boy grew into a man who became the father of many nations, nations whose descendants have you know, become enemies of the Jews from the days of Moses until, I think, even some of this current day. And of course, no story of Abraham would be complete without the tale about the time he tried to pass his wife off as his sister. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 11, 12, and 13, it tells us, as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. And then they will kill me, but let you live. So say that you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. I'm sure God was not pleased with Abraham's decision. And he made it clear that he wasn't pleased. But Abraham didn't do this just once. From what I understand, he did it twice. Once in Egypt and later in the city of Gur. Why? Why should this great man of faith try to pass his wife off as his sister? Because he was afraid. The man who would be called the father of all those who believe was afraid, so afraid that he was willing to give up his wife in order to save his life. That's what you'd consider his not-so-good moments in life, some that were embarrassing. So why would God tell us these embarrassing stories about Abraham? God told us, I think, these stories so that you and I would realize that this great man, wasn't much different than you and I. Abraham, in the, in the sense that Abraham made mistakes. I'm not trying to diminish Abraham and his faith and what he had in God. But we know that Abraham made mistakes, like you and I. He struggled with his faith, possibly like you and I might at times. He stumbled in his obedience at times. He sometimes floundered in the darkness of uncertainty. In short, he was just like you and me. But then you would ask, how could God call Abraham a man of faith, the father of all who believe? How could this man, who obviously disappointed God on a number of occasions, who obviously fell short of being the giant we would expect him to be, who obviously made mistakes and whose mistakes produced many problems for God's people later on, how could this man be such a great example of faith? I'll come back to that. Years ago, 
when John D. Rockefeller was running a giant empire known as the Standard Oil Company. One of the employees made a disastrous decision that cost the company more than $2 million at that time, from what I understand. Fear swept through the company as everyone expected Rockefeller not only to fire the man responsible for this mistake, but to take out his wrath on all the rest of them. Edward T. Bedford, who was a partner in the company, was scheduled to see Rockefeller that day. And as he entered the office, he saw this powerful man, Rockefeller, bent over his desk, busily writing with a pencil on a pad of paper. Bedford stood quietly, not, of course, wishing to interrupt. After a few minutes, Rockefeller looked up. Oh, it's you, Bedford, he said calmly. I suppose you've heard about our loss, Bedford said that he had. I've been thinking it over, Rockefeller said. And before I asked that man to come in and discuss the matter, I've been making some notes. Bedford later told the story this way. Across the top of the page was written, points in favor of Mr. So-and-so. And there were underneath that title, a long list of man, the man's virtues, including a description of how this person had helped the company make right decisions on three separate occasions. Decisions that had earned the company many times the cost of this recent error. That man kept his job. And Bedford left the meeting forever changed in how he viewed other employees of the company. Now, why would I tell you this story? I told you that story. So I think this is how I understand how God viewed Abraham and how he views us. Yes, Abraham made mistakes. Yes, Abraham failed God on a number of occasions. Yes, Abraham had a past filled with some miserable disappointments. But God didn't look at Abraham to see his past. God looked at Abraham to see his potential. He looked him to see his possibilities. You see, nobody is ever 100% sinless and pure. Every one of us is going to stumble somewhere along the way, just like Abraham did. We think of the time that Jesus encountered people. And he would encounter them. And he would ask them, as he forgave them of their sin, he would ask them to go and be better because of it. Go and sin no more. Go and try your best to follow God's plan. To go. And we know that Jesus, as this Bedford was changed in that action, we know that Jesus changes people's lives. We think about where we were at without him. The potential that we have with him. But there was something distinctly different about Abraham. Something that made him stand out above all those who lived around him in that day. Something that made God pick him from among thousands of others to be the father of a great nation and the father of all those who believe. What could that have been? We know that Abraham believed God. In Hebrews, as they define faith in chapter 11, and then they speak of, by faith, Abraham did these things. Not by personal gain, not by publicity, 
by faith. I would ask us this morning, asking myself, by faith, what would be written of me in my life so far? By faith, what have I done? By faith, what has faith caused me to do that I could show as an example to others? We know that Abraham believed God. He may not have believed perfectly, but he believed God. And he didn't just believe that God existed. He believed that God would reward him if he earnestly sought him. There's a song that we sang. 338, I believe the number is that second song. I know whom I have believed. And what? I am persuaded. I don't just believe it. That I am persuaded. As Hebrews 11 tells us, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is, that first off, that God exists. We believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Notice what it tells us about why Abraham acted by faith. In verse 8, we're told by faith, Abraham, when called to go out into a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he is going. What do many people say today? Show me a sign. Show me before I go. I want to see it with my own eyes. Abraham was sent to a place that he did not know of, but he believed and went. Why would he do that? Look at verse 10 of our text. He was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect, whose architect and builder is God. In other words, Abraham didn't care what, where he went as long as he was going with God, as long as God was involved. He didn't care where he lived. He didn't care that his home was nothing but a tent. He didn't care that he never owned any land except the land where he buried his wife. All Abraham cared for was would God be there? How did he know what would happen? Because God had made him a promise. Let's look at verse 11. We're told by faith Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father. Why would Abraham believe that? Because he considered him faithful who made this promise to him. In other words, Abraham never doubted he would have a son. Why? Because God had made that promise. And even if it didn't make any sense to any man, to especially an old man like him, with an elderly wife like Sarah, who could not have children, it didn't matter. God had made a promise. How many times do we reason once ourselves, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, with God, there's a lot of things that are confusing. We sing another song that says, we will all understand it by and by. Things don't make sense to us because we reason like humans. God has an eternal plan. God knew 
And Abraham believed in that plan. And as Christians, we are asked to believe in that also. If you love me, keep my commandments, Jesus says. Now we go to verses 17 and 18 of our text. We're told by faith Abraham, when God tested him, he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promise was about to sacrifice this one and only son of his. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Well, you'd ask, well, why on earth would Abraham be willing to offer his own son? A son whose offspring should be great and noble. Because Abraham reasoned in verse 19 that God could raise the dead. Abraham had had, had ever Abraham, you say, ever seen the dead raised before? No. Had God promised that Isaac would be raised up from the dead? No. Then why would Abraham reason this way? Well, I figure because God had made a promise that Isaac was going to be that son from whom a great nation would rise. Abraham believes that God knows what he's doing. God told him there was no reasoning. How many people today would try to reason and give a hundred excuses? But God, but, 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 but why? I'm glad I was never in the time of Moses either. When Moses was presented certain situations, remember Moses would say, but I'm slow to speak. You need to sum somebody's bell somebody. You know what? How I talk? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I have to admit, you've listened to me over the years. You know that I, I sputter at times over my own words too. But I thank you for the opportunity that I have to still present to you. Moses knew what he was going to be presented with, the, re, the resistance he was going to receive. Can't you send somebody else? Abraham could be saying, isn't there any other way? This is my only son who I've waited so long. It doesn't make sense. Nope. It didn't make any difference that Abraham had never seen the dead raised. God had made him a promise. And it was up to God to figure out how Isaac could be offered as a sacrifice on some lonely hill and still become the father of many people. God had made a promise. How many of us worry daily in our lives? Things that we can't control? Turn it over to God. Offer it to God and let God worry about it. That's where the peace that passeth all understanding comes from. There's a lot of talk about blind faith. Abraham is the ultimate example of blind faith. He left his home and obeyed God, even when he didn't know where he was going. He believed that he could have a son, even when it defiled all known reality at that time. And he believed God could raise the dead, even though he had never seen it done before. And that's because as close as that, that's about as close as you could get to blind faith. My point is this. There will come a time when that's all we have to go on, is blind faith. All the circumstances and all the facts and all the human reasoning around us will tell us that God can't possibly do what he has promised. That's what earthly people will reason. And you'll be left with blind faith, just like Abraham. And you'll have to make a choice. 
Do you believe God? Or do you believe what you personally can see, what you can handle, and what can you what you can measure? That's precisely why God made Abraham the poster child of that kind of faith. Abraham's faith was the kind that would take all uncertainties of his life and place them in one side of the scale. And then on the other side, he put simply and solely God. So I'd like to look, have you look at a balance this morning. On one side, we have our worries, our cares, our worldly concerns, our uncertainties. On the other side, we simply have God. And how will that balance? We know that Abraham said, I know that God can outweigh all these uncertainties and all these concerns that everyone else has. I'd like to close with this story. One night, a house caught fire and a young boy was forced to flee to the roof. The father stood on the ground below with outstretched arms, calling to his son, jump, I'll catch you. He knew the boy had to jump to save his own life. All the boy could see, however, was flames, smoke, and blackness. As he could, as, as, as Ken, as we can all imagine, the boy was afraid to death to jump off that roof. His father kept yelling, jump, I will catch you. But the boy protested, daddy, I can't see you. The father replied, but I can see you, and that's all that matters. Abraham may not have been able to see how it would all turn out, but he trusted his father's voice. We know that God can see us in everything that we do. We know that God knows our intentions. He knows our circumstances. He knows our life. Be thou found faithful unto death that you might receive the crown of righteousness set up for you. We know that God has prepared. Jesus himself has spoken of in John, I go to prepare a place for you. Blessed are you who overcome, who are persecuted for my name's sake, who hunger and thirst for the righteousness, who hunger and thirst for that which is right. We have in our lives today that decision. We know that Abraham was an example of the faith that we need to have. May we have that faith. We don't understand everything. People can come to us. There are many things that we could tell them. I don't understand certain things that happen, why certain things happen. But we will understand it all by and by. Somewhere, somehow, we know that we have that promise. Abraham knew that he had that promise and went and lived his life. And those that are spoken of in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith they did this knowing that God had given a promise. God has given us a promise through his son. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved as we walk with him through life. That is the decision we need to make this morning. If there's anybody who has not taken the steps to confess Jesus is the son of the father 
and to repent of their sins, to be baptized, to to um, contact the blood of Jesus. Or if we need the prayers of the congregation, you have any opportunity that needed to make your life right as together we stand and sing our song of invitation, number 596.